Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 105. Ooh. It's amazing. It's amazing. We have come a long way, my friends. Uh, this is my favorite hour of the week every week where we get to hang out with all of you and answer your questions for free because that is our mission in life is to provide as much information as possible for free so you don't have to pay us. That's just it's, awesome. it's a weird business model. Uh, <laughs> like we don't want you to pay us. Uh, we want to answer all your questions for free and hopefully um, you take advantage of it during this hour. So with me, as always, Dr. Scott Wright, former hello, director of hello. admissions at UT Southwestern, retired executive director of TMDSAS, hanging out. Uh, we got to hang out last week again, yeah. uh, Dr. Wright, at the National Association of Advisors of Health Professions conference here in denver my stomping grounds um it was a great conference yep. one of the things that i took away from that is is just seeing the passion of advisors mm-hmm. um, who are there learning trying to help all of you as much as possible i know uh, advisors get a a bad rap sometimes um from mm-hmm. students uh sometimes from me uh sometimes um and and uh, it was just really great to to see them talk to them and, and really oh absolutely know they're yeah. there completely agree with that it was it was a great experience and uh you you did really get to see the the passion involved with uh them wanting to do the best they can yeah was good was good and rachel grubbs my co-founder here at mapped how are you you're muted unmute I am unmuted and now I'm excellent. Uh, Yeah, this is also my favorite hour of the week. Um, You know, like you said, it might seem like an odd business model, but we are continuing to run and giving away stuff for free is a big part of how we do it. Yeah, yeah, come one, come all. I definitely have had, especially in the last couple of weeks with tensions high, I've noticed that the chats and comments get a little more populated with pick me, you skipped me. So (laughs) friendly reminder, we love doing this. We do it every week. We get to as many of you as we can. That means sometimes we don't get to everyone, but just keep coming, ask good questions. Eventually you'll get a turn. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, What about you? Let's introduce you. Uh, I am Ryan Gray, a former physician. Uh, I guess I'm always a physician, not practicing physician. Uh, I've written lots of books. I host the Pre-Med Years podcast, the MCAT podcast, the Old Pre-Meds podcast, um, and some big news coming next week with the Specialty Stories um, podcast that we run. And yeah, that's it. All right. Should we get cranking? Rock and roll. Oops, you're not Scott. Oh, what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> I am not Scott. Let's take some comments here. Amy asks, taking the MCAT this Saturday, any tips to ease anxiety, relax, etc.? Yoga master, isn't like today some like international yoga day? Oh, it might be. I don't know, actually. But yeah, I think I saw that somewhere on Instagram. Yeah. It, it is uh, yesterday. What yesterday looks like. Close enough. Rachel, what do you think? So, Amy, this is um, a great question. And I'll answer briefly here that I do think breathing exercises are the way to go. And that's not just me as a yoga teacher. Um, one of the reasons I love to recommend breathing exercises is that both very old Eastern in- intuition and wisdom and much more recent modern Western science all agree that while your breathing may sometimes be impacted by your mood or your body, you can also impact your mood and your body by making certain breathing choices. It goes in both directions. So long, slow, deep breaths are by far the easiest, quickest way to hack into your nervous system and calm down a little bit. 
Um, and in fact, this has come up so much recently that last week I did a free session called Yoga for Pre-Meds. And you can Google it. I think right now, because that's pretty niche, I'm like the first and the second hit. So just Google Yoga for Pre-Meds and you will find my YouTube session. It's on my private YouTube channel, but it was mostly attended by people I know through Mapped and Application Academy. A few friends and family and people who come to my regular yoga classes were there. Um, But it's about a 45-minute session where we did do some practice breathing, but we actually just talked about you know, how do you adjust your posture for better breathing? And, you know, if you find yourself getting anxious in the middle of the test, what are some ways you can pull your brain back into focus? So just really concrete, basic tips that do come from yoga, but, you know, are tried and true and uh, tried and true in terms of just getting your brain into better shape. Um, so I would practice that a little bit of the next couple of days. And then I would also say at some point in the next day or so, you stop studying. Right. Don't be studying all day Friday, Thursday yeah. night at the latest, and then go into chill mode, whatever you do mm-hmm. to chill. If that's Netflix, mm-hmm. if that's going for a run, whatever you normally do, give yourself a day of just rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems Absolutely. so counterintuitive, but it's such yep, a it does. Yep. Yeah. Even, even the marathon runners out there tra- training yep. for running, you, you, you taper down. Yep. You got to rest. Yep. Cool. All right, let's keep going. Mohammed, can you explain early assurance programs and whether they are a good choice? So early assurance or early decision programs, uh, whether they be BA, BSMD programs or DO programs, um, or I know University of Florida has... Um, I forget the name of it at this point, but they have a program where you apply your sophomore year, I believe, um, and you start medical school basically as a, as a senior in college is when you start medical school. There are a few programs like that out there. Or there are um, early decision, just regular old early decision where you apply for early decision. You're putting all of your eggs in one basket saying, hey, school X, I want to come to you. I'm, I'm only applying to you. I'm only saying I'm applying to you. Uh, and please, please love me back. Uh, because if they don't love you back, you're potentially going to be a little bit later in the, the general population. Scott, what are your, what are your thoughts on all these different types of programs out there? Well, I, I think in general that they are niche, you know, niche programs. They mm-hmm. are meant for, as you indicated, for example, in the early, early decision or an early assurance program, they're really built for a very small population of people who are fit into the niche of, I know this is the medical school I want to go to. I know that, and I have connections to it, you know, or I have connections to the community or whatever. And this is, you know, this is what I want to do. Typically these types of programs and similar kinds of programs are, are small they represent a very small portion of the class, uh, uh, typically, and uh, because a lot of students won't fit into that. And I think, and I think, especially with this, there's just a lot of risk involved. So it does take a lot of thought, a lot of uh, contemplation, and, and really calculating what this is potentially. What are the benefits as opposed to what are the what are the you know strong risks that may be involved, and, and then going into it with your you know eyes wide open that you know exactly what uh, what this yeah. is going to be. Yeah, one of the the biggest misconceptions that I think students have about these early assurance programs is that that they're a loophole for potentially bad grades um, or or bad stats that that they're like, ooh, if if I apply to them, that tells them that I really want to come there and they'll overlook my lower GPA. They'll overlook my lower stats. And it's just not the case, right? Sometimes you even have to be a better student. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it's, it's really, really a very niche program. And, and in my application process book, I, I talk about it, um, that really for the most part, my general stance is, uh, there are more risks than benefits for yes. the far majority of students out there. Uh, so, so just tread, tread carefully. Lightly, yes. Yeah. Tread lightly. That's yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Uh, Rama, what are the benefits of post-baccalaureate certificate programs versus an SMP program? So I want to give a little plug for the pre-med years that is going out today, actually. I did an interview with a director of post-bac programs at Keck Graduate Institute in California, uh, Dr. June Kim. We had a, a great conversation about post-bac versus SMP uh, and what students should be looking at. We didn't specifically mention certificate because in, in, in my mind, um, the certificate part of a post-bac program is useless. It's, it yeah. doesn't really yeah. add anything other than, oh, look at I got a certificate. Yeah. Um, but it was a really great conversation about post-bac versus SMP. So go, go check that out. Um, Scott, we've talked about this a bunch. We'll, we'll just give a little, a little shout out here that it seems like the majority of schools potentially out there, maybe this is anecdotal and, and, um, and, and maybe uh, not without data, but it seems like the majority of schools out there prefer undergraduate grade repair versus SMP work. I agree with that. <clears throat> and I Why think, is that? Well, I think it's easier. The, the medical school admissions committees are in the mode and they understand how to interpret what an undergraduate GPA means, what, a, what an A or a B or a C means in an undergraduate class versus a graduate program where that is often significantly different in terms of how the grading occurs. Not always, but often. So I think that, uh, I think that that's a real key to it. And uh, I would say that um, that's why admissions committees often suggest undergraduate programs or just, you know, non-structured uh, do-it-yourself type uh, um, GPA repair kind of things as opposed to a SMP. Now, there are benefits to SMP. Uh, t- uh, often the SMP is, is uh offered in conjunction with medical school classes, if it's at a medical school or an affiliated undergraduate in, uh, institution with a medical school. So that, so that you're taking uh, courses with uh, uh, medical students and, and you're, you're experiencing the curriculum and stuff like that. So there can, you know, there can be benefits to an SMP uh, in that regard. The other benefit outside of how admissions committees look at it is, is just cost. Uh, often, um, Undergraduate programs, a lot of students coming out of undergraduate programs are maxed out on the amount of aid that they can get, federally subsidized aid that they can get uh, for an undergraduate curriculum. So if you're wanting to get financial aid, uh, then if you're maxed out, then graduate school is your only option. And so, uh, you know, that sometimes plays into it. And so just consider that, that if you're wanting to go into a, a program such as this for GPA repair or for a second career type person, uh, then be aware of, of what the, the, the financial implications are and the financial aid implications are and talk to your uh, undergraduate institution talk financial aid office talk to your the smp program financial aid office and uh and make sure you understand exactly what this is going to mean for you financially as well yeah yeah great point all right i don't know why we've got this view I love oh, this I like view. It. I do too. You know, I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> it works well with it, it works well with three, which we normally don't have. And you have yeah. to make Yeah, it reminds me that I must sit off center because I'm like, yeah. oh, there I am. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. Scott and I just like having big heads. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Amrit asks if a two year gap since graduating from undergrad due to having two major surgeries. I hope you're doing well yeah. Amrit, at this point. How would medical schools view this since there's a lack of volunteer activities and shadowing? Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about half of this answer and I'm pulling up the data that I had just found yesterday. So every year the, uh, the AAMC, one of the good things that they do is they do the matriculating student questionnaire, the MSQ. And part of that MSQ is, if I can find it, um, is uh, a question about how long has it been since graduating college? Uh, specifically, how many years have passed since you graduated from college? 
less than a year is only 33.7%. So the, mm. the non-traditional is the new traditional is becoming a thing over the last several years. Uh, one to two years was 44.1%, and this is for 2020 entrants. Uh, three to four years, 13.9%, and then five or more years was 8.3%. So students are taking time uh, off. Now, the next follow-up question to that was what were you doing during that time? Um, and, and I'll share my screen so that people can read this. Give me one second here and I'll, I'll share um, so that students can see. Um, share screen, share tab, Facebook. All right. And then if we can add that to there. Uh, how did you spend your time uh, between doing all of that stuff? And uh, it, you can read all of those. I'm not going to read them all. And, and obviously it says here the percentages sum to over 100 because uh, the people were allowed to select multiple. And you can see here that recovering from surgery is not going to be a common response. And there may be some questions uh, specifically for M. Reads here about if you weren't doing anything, what were you doing? Mm -hmm. That gives me a little bit of pause, Scott. How, how is a student supposed to say, hey, I was taking care of myself. Uh, I was recovering from surgeries. I swear I wasn't just sitting around playing video games. Yeah, I think as with anything else in the application process, I think you tell your story. You know, this is what happened. I had this surgery and then I, you know, was still sick or I was sick and then I did this surgery and and you you just tell the story and uh and, and be upfront and honest about it and 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 that's what the admissions committees want to see they want to hear what really was happening and what was going on in your life and and uh you know don't try to spin it or don't try to you know uh, uh do too much beyond just in my view kind of this is this was the situation yeah for a student in this situation, especially the last two years, maybe it was the best time to have surgery because a lot of experiences weren't happening. Closed off, right? Mm -hmm. Should a student potentially go, you know what, let me, I'm going to take another year uh, to both maybe have some time between my surgeries so I recover a little bit more and to kind of get back in the swing of things to, to buffer my experiences to show that I, I didn't just drop them because I wanted to drop them. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, yeah, tell the truth and maybe get get a little bit more time under your belt. Yeah. 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 It's always tricky with questions like these, because will they understand? Sure. Will they make an exemption for you? No, they really don't make exemptions for anyone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Still got to do it. This that's might take longer. <laughs> that's an important differentiation too, Rachel. And I appreciate you saying that because, you know, these people are people and they have things going on in their life too. Yeah. And, and so they get it. They understand. And, but it doesn't mean that that's going to change the, the calculus in terms of what they are looking for and what they want to see in terms of what students they're going to bring into their class in that particular year. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Alex asks, I plan on taking Casper and preview late June, early July. Are we allowed to take them more than once? And do I send scores to all schools or only those that require it? Uh, so we talked about this a bunch at the, the conference we were just at. Uh, Casper, you have to take it every single year. Um, the, the scores are only good for that one cycle. Uh, I do not believe you can take it more than once in a cycle. Um, preview is very similar to the MCAT, except uh, you can only take it once uh, a year. Um, and if you want to retake it, if you apply the next cycle, you can, but you don't have to. So preview will report older scores to med schools mm -hmm. if you don't want to retake it. So, uh, yes, you can take it more than once, but not in the same application cycle year. And right. the, the way that it works is, is you send it to all the schools that require it um, uh, through their, their system. So, yep. Yeah. 
it, it's not like some random thing where you can send it to all 20 schools, even if they don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Megan asks, when is the earliest that secondaries can come in? Rachel, you want to talk about the timeline a little bit? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this has come up a lot recently because in Application Academy, we had not many, but a few students who only applied to Texas and the Texas, Texas secondaries are already out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. They're or in, depending on right. the angle right. you're looking at. Um, so um, because Texas looks at transcripts later, right? So their course verification process is relatively quick. And a few weeks ago, they had their day where TMDSAS started transmitting to Texas schools. So, so some students, if they were um, only doing Texas or have applied to Texas, already have secondaries and are, are yep. turning them around now. Yep. Yep. Um, so with um, ACOMIS, ACOMIS, um, you know, it's, it's always the same thing, right? So first it's you have to apply, you have to have your application verified. And then if you've applied very early, there is a date in which the applications start transmitting to schools. So mm-hmm. for ACOMIS, for people who applied in May or June, um, that date was uh, late May, I think. My goodness. Someone check me. You guys are looking at me with blank faces. <laughs> Say that again. It was late May as a Comus estate, like for transmitting to schools? No, it would just happen last week. Last week, also last week, like Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or Texas was also, yeah. So, so if you applied to a Comus, you could be getting secondaries no. now-ish yeah. in the next few days. Um, now, again, it's going to depend because it's going to depend on when you applied. It's going to depend on whether or not your application is verified. Um, and then finally, AMCAS is the one that is historically the slowest. So they will start transmitting um, to med schools later this week. I think it's the 25th. That's the Saturday. That doesn't seem right. I'm having trouble with these dates from the top of my head. <laughs> um, and then you'll get them in the next week or so, maybe two. Um, you might get them before the 4th of July holiday. You might get them after. Again, it varies. Uh, I know Scott and I were working with a student who actually managed to submit his AMCAS primary on May 31st, which we don't think is all necessary, but he was just ready. So he did. Mm-hmm. And he got his verification on June 1st. Yeah. And yet I'm also helping someone who submitted their primary application to AMCAS on June 3rd. And as of June 20th, they were still waiting to be verified. Yeah. So like for, for half a second, I was like, oh, is AMCAS going to be fast this year? Are things changing? No. Um, (laughs) Um, so you know someone was saying like how long does it take my application to get verified and i was like could be two weeks could be two months the later you apply to amcas the longer it's going to take them to verify um yeah so amcas amcas just just to expand on that one thought there they are if you go to amcas's website they give you what they're working on and as of um june 22nd which is today they are processing applications that reached quote ready for review on June 2nd. That is how slow they are. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, that was a long way, Megan, of saying if it's AMCAS, it could be a while, but the earliest is basically next week. Um, mm-hmm. What should you all be doing as soon as you turn in your primary, regardless of when you turned your primary in? Does anyone pre-write, pre-write, pre-write. Pre-write. <laughs> new. Pre-write. <laughs> and yeah. where can you pre-write your secondaries? How do you find those prompts? Secondaryapps.com. Yeah. One of the things I want to, I want to um, put a little asterisk on as well is depending on when you submit your application, potentially the schools can see that you've kind of added them as a school that you want to apply to. And they may be able to send you a secondary, even without your primary being verified yet. Yep, depending mm-hmm. on when you're applying in the cycle. So mm-hmm. um, don't just assume yeah. that you have to wait for verification. And so you're just twiddling your thumbs for a little while um, to, to get those secondaries. Yeah. 
That's right. A lot of schools don't screen, so they don't they don't mm-hmm. care what that verified they want everybody day is. Mm-hmm. They want everybody yeah. to fill it out, right? They want your money. <laughs> I mean, they want to get to know you and enhance their holistic <laughs> review. Getting to know you. <laughs> name that. Name, name that. Uh, name that Broadway musical that that song comes from. No idea. Uh, South Pacific. No. It's King, King and I? I. King and I. Yeah. Yep. Okay. My well, geography. That's good that I'm singing it because Ryan means little king. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Okay, next question. All right. Uh, thank you, Megan. That was a great question. Led to lots of good stuff. Right. Albert, how can a person decide if they would need a postback? Go to the Premed Years podcast and whatever you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever, and listen to today's episode. That is what we talk about. So what's today? 491? 491, I think. Yes. Yeah, I don't think it's dropped yet, or maybe it has. It's dropping mm, today. It's dropping today. It should drop today. Yeah. Hopefully. Premedyears.com slash 491 or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yes. Um, Premed Years. Yeah, it has dropped. Do you need a postback? Is the title. Cool. Easy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Sierra asks, um, actually, hold on one second. Pre-med years. I don't know if that link is going to work yet because it's. Oh, brand, brand sorry. Uh, I yeah, that, that link doesn't work yet. It, it takes it takes a couple hours to get that link rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so just in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, um, go go and listen. So got it. Uh, you won't be able to listen on premedyears.com uh, yet. Got it. Okay. So, uh, okay. episode episode drops, and then the uh, the the website comes next. Okay. All right. <laughs> we, we we've been working on all these processes, so we're all still learning. <laughs> all right. Uh, Sierra, will med slash PA schools? Oh, my uh, teleprompter just died. Uh, look down on beginning as a double seeking bachelor student but only completing one originally Spanish and biology only completed biology. Uh, no med schools Mm-mm. don't care. I don't know how they wouldn't even know that. necessarily. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking is like, they wouldn't care and they probably wouldn't know. No. Yeah. Same no, thing Sierra. with minors. Med schools don't care. Nope. Yeah. So don't triple minor. <laughs> yeah. Don't triple minor. Yes. All right. Oh, this is a good one. Um, if your MCAT oh, I Megan again, bonus uh, for you, Megan. I normally don't okay. do that. <laughs> if your MCAT is only slightly below the school's average, by average, do you mean median? Um, because that's what the MSAR shows, which is different than mean, average, right. aka average. Uh, should you bring it up in secondaries, or does that draw extra attention to it as a weak point? No, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Not necessary. It's just. A data point. It yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Kush, mm-hmm. how should we convey what specialty we may be interested to medical schools? You don't. No. Don't. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a big point of contention. Um, we talk about it a bunch. Your activities will oftentimes kind of show what you are potentially interested in, or maybe just have access to. But a lot of times it'll show interest, whether you're interested in psychiatry or orthopedics or something like that. But the goal of applying to medical school is to show that you want to be a doctor, not that you want to be a psychiatrist, an orthopod, whatever. So, And the reason for that, the reason for that is that medical schools don't train psychiatrists. Correct. Medical schools don't train orthopods. Medical schools train doctors. Residency programs train the specialist. Yeah. So keep that in mind. You're applying to medical school. Applying to medical school. Yep. That is the goal. All right. 
Chris, how to go about getting letters of recommendations after being virtual for the last two years? Definitely a huge concern for students and one that schools are aware of. Scott, we did a um, Inside Med Admissions episode yep. about letters of recommendations. What what was the general consensus or what do you, what do you think is going to be happening with all the virtual training that's happening these days? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's a, it's a good question related to, you know, uh, th- this issue of, of vir- the virtual nature of our lives over the past two or three years. And, and what I would say is that medical schools are going to be very, uh, I would say, very um, forgiving on that uh, in terms of, uh, especially in terms of letters of recommendation where, you know, you may not have gotten to know the professors as well as, as, as you may normally have done in a, in a, in a cycle in, in a semester or whatever. So I, I think the medical schools are going to recognize that that's going to be a, 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 a consequence of the, of the pandemic and, and having gone virtual. So I wouldn't really worry about it as much, but in terms of how to go about it, you just have to ask, you know, you just have to ask the professor and uh, ask them, ask the professor uh, if they would uh, be able to and willing to write a, a strong letter for you based on, you know, your experience. Now, what, what, what I would say in, in doing that, several suggestions. One would be, along with your request email, uh, I would say send them a, a copy of an of a updated resume that shows your activities, shows what you've done, you know, various things like that. Uh, send to them, if you have it ready, uh, a copy of your uh, personal statement so they can see that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, send along with it the uh, um, PDF of the AAMC's Letter of Recommendation Guidelines, which can be very helpful for professors uh, or others who uh, who maybe are not as used to writing, maybe a younger uh, faculty member or a, a doctor that you shadowed or, or a, a volunteer coordinator or something like that who may not potentially be as used to writing letters. Uh, so uh, send those documents along with them when you request uh, or after they say, yes, I'll do it. And, and uh, that will give them information that, that they can integrate into your uh, letter of recommendation that can be helpful. I can't wait. As, as you were talking about that, I can't wait for uh, some, some, new mapped features yes. uh, coming in a few months yeah. as, as yeah. we build it out. It's just making this LOR process a little bit easier. A little easier. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's coming for friends. everyone involved. Yep. Yeah. So we've gotten lots of gotten, getting gotten lots of letter rec questions today. I'm not going to answer them all. Many of you guys overlap, but here's one that kind of touches on something we didn't really answer just now. Uh, UO. Hi, everyone. My LORs are from 2020, 21. How important uh, are uh, recent letters? Should I have one for 2022 or does it not matter as long as requirements are filled? Thank you again. Much love to you all. Much love to you. Um, So we've talked about this a bunch where ideally, best case scenario, perfect world, your letters are dated the year that you apply. Yes. And that, that shows that you are in, in contact with these people. There's not some random person that wrote you a letter and then you're like, okay, peace out. I, I never am, am going to talk to you again. Potentially signifies or signals to the medical schools that you do have a relationship with these people. Um, but not everyone can do that. So uh, again, best case scenario is they're, they're updated. Okay. Correct. Correct. Cush again. Oh, did that already, right? Yeah, we did yep. that one. Yep. Sorry, friends. It's uh it's a Monday, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, would you recommend someone apply with a five oh one on the new scoring scale? <laughs> the new scoring scale's been around for a long time. A long it's seven years anymore. old, Adam. We know which scale you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean a five oh one on the forty five point scale is phenomenal. I've often joked that I want to retake the MCAT. Even if I get a 472, I can show that I went from a 27 to a 472. Like, look, at look at that improvement. Uh, thank you, Blueprint MCAT. Um, what, what is the minimum score that you recommend a student have on the new scale in order to apply? 
there's no minimum, right? It's, it's you apply. So my general um, kind of philosophy on this is you need to apply with the best application that you are comfortable putting forward. And if you're happy with a 501, if, if your diagnostic came in at a 480 and all of your full length exams were 495s and you got a 501 on your test day and you're like, woohoo, that's my best score ever. Then apply potentially if you are okay. And most important part, you have informed consent, knowing that a 501 in the grand scheme of things is not the best score. Knowing that the average MCAT score for matriculating uh, MD schools is a 511.7 or 8 these days. And for DO schools, it's, uh, what is it now? 505 almost, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So knowing that a 501 is lower than those. Now, have I seen students get in with a 501? Yeah, I've seen students get in with 495s, 496s, but those are are not the the norm. So, uh, and, and again, the MCAT is just one piece of the the application puzzle. So, uh, what what are your thoughts with this, Rachel? Yeah, same. I mean, I think you've hit the key points. Um, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but in in GMAT test prep, one of the math types of problems, or at least used to be, I'm rusty on GMAT now, is data sufficiency. So rather than you solving a problem, they just give you a story and then go, if I asked you to answer this question, could you even answer it? And the reason Mm -hmm. I always think of those is, Adam, this is an insufficient data question, right? I can't answer it for you because it's not a yes or no. It's not black or white. I don't know about your experiences. I don't know about your GPA. I don't know about your trend. I don't know about your story. I don't know if you're an emotionally aware, mature, culturally sensitive, competent adult. I don't know how your essays are going to talk about your desire to be a physician. Uh, So that number in a vacuum is not very meaningful to me. Um, so, so yeah, 501 isn't crazy. Other people apply with it. Typically, if you're applying with a 501, you've got some pretty killer stuff that's going to show up in the rest of the holistic review. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I hope. <laughs> hopefully. All right. Jan asks, if the school does not use early decision, but it is the school I want to be at. My MCAT and GPA are above the median. Great. How do I convey my desire to be at that school? One easy answer here. You apply. They apply. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you apply and they go, hey, we got a, we got an application from Jan. Um, and then you be really, really, really specific with why you're in love with the school in a secondary question. If yep. it comes up about why you want to come to this school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Easy peasy. One thing you don't do is stock. Don't stock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a negative. Yeah. Big red flag. <laughs> it's Jan again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just helping someone last week who, who had this issue. She's she's going to have to be a reapplicant, and was lucky enough to get a meeting with the with the dean of admissions who said to her, she's a non-trad, and they said, I could tell you're a professional and you're used to being over-communicative when necessary to make sure everything's right, but as an applicant, you need to pull back. Um, And, you know, she'd been calling and emailing throughout the application cycle. And, you know, I actually ran it by some people in my personal life just to see like how did they react to that without any med expertise and they were like that sounds like the kind of future physician we want they're meticulous and caring and I was like I know it's such an easy trap to fall into to think that's a good idea because you kind of have to be and Scott I think you can speak to this more you have to put yourself in the admissions committee members shoes in the admissions office shoes Mm -hmm. and let's say you have 158 spots but 8,223 applicants do you want all 8,000 plus applicants calling and emailing every week? No, you do not. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, would, I would, further, I would say that it, it is not unusual for the admissions dean to also be the student affairs dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that is uh, sometimes a combined position at a medical school. And even if it's not, the admissions dean uh, is very close with the student affairs dean. 
if you are that kind of applicant that is calling every day, calling every week, emailing constantly, that behavior is likely going to extend into medical school. And you're going to be on the doorstep of the student affairs dean every week, every mm-hmm. month with some other issue. Some, so they, they think about things like this past behavior is indicative of future behavior. And so that this is going to be concerning to them. Is this going to be a high maintenance student? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's really inspiring me to think about more of the unwritten rules of applications because that's a biggie is you really got to play the game and know when it's okay to speak up and when you just need to sit down and wait. Um, Because I think that the, the intention of reaching out is usually coming from a really good place. Um, So anyway, Jan, hopefully that gave you way more than you needed. Just apply, kill it in your secondaries and then be cool. (laughs) Be cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, nobody wants the, the eager beaver, uh, chase for that uh that spot yeah you don't have to play hard to get but don't play stalker (laughs) (laughs) that's a t-shirt yeah (laughs) right uh nick asks is non-clinical volunteering quote necessary if i have a lot of clinical volunteer hours with underserved populations Mm. so this is going to be one of those it depends on the school and what they value right scott yeah, absolutely. There are some schools that if you don't have, uh, a, you know, g- a good amount of community activities in your in your uh, in your portfolio, they're not they're not going to be interested. So I think you have to know the schools that you're that you're interested in, that you are applying to and what what they say is their is their mission and what they what they value and uh, and, and be be clear on that, uh, because there I, I would say non-clinical volunteer community service type volunteer activities are, are pretty important these days for a lot of a lot of medical schools. Yep. Just need to research and see what they what it is they want. Yep. All right. Looking for something fresh. We're getting a lot of repeats. I think some of you logged in late and missed some answers. <laughs> Super Santos. What are some tips on finding very specific for uh, specific information for quotes? Why us essays? Um, so I love this question, uh, because I think you need super specific information and and try to tie it back to who you are as a person as well. Um, in mapped app, when you do, uh, when you go to the med school page, we have all of their social media stuff there, um, with, with mission, vision, all that stuff. And it's, it just takes time. Uh, you just got to scour the interwebs, look on YouTube, see if the school has a YouTube channel, see what they're doing. Uh, look at their blog if they have a blog. Check out all of their social media, what they're pu- uh, putting out. Use the location feature of some of the social media um, platforms to see if people are posting, let, let's say University of Florida School of Medicine, students that are at that school can tag that specific location and you can potentially see what students are talking about at the institutions as well. Um, and it just comes down to, to just time. Uh, and, and that's where a lot of students just shortcut the system and go, uh, I don't have time for that. I really like your location. That's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not specific. Yeah. I definitely, I think the, the more specific you can be, I've seen some great essays and secondary applications that really indicate that it's very clear that this student has researched the school, has really understood, they really understand what their offerings are. You know, they'll say things like, I, I'm, I'm very attracted to your program in global medicine or because of this reason, that reason, whatever, or I, I really like uh, your you know, research in a particular area that uh, I've done research in before and that I'm really interested in, or, you know, these types of specifics are really why the why us uh, essay really, it, it, it benefits them a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Elizabeth, for a coma, should we project hours for current experiences? ACOM said to contact schools directly to find out, and the three schools I've called each didn't know. So I am pretty sure on the ACOMAS platform, they don't expect you to project out. Um, TMDSAS has a future hours uh, section. ACOMAS, I'm pretty sure, again, doesn't. I, it's, not a, it's not a per school thing. ACOMAS is a centralized application. So it's whatever the ACOMAS handbook and, and what their platform has um, and what they say in the applicant guide or manual. Yep. Yep. And then with AMCAS this year and potentially why uh, this question is coming up, AMCAS makes it very explicit with their new um, section for anticipated hours to, to easily call that out. Yep. Yeah. And I'm just going to chime in. This is just the customer service manager in me. If I worked at a Comus and I knew that a rep there said contact schools to find out, I would want to know so I could give that employee some serious training. Yeah. So if, yeah. if you've got that documented, Elizabeth, I know it's not your first priority, right? Your first priority should be you. But if you have a minute, let somebody there know because that's, that's not good. Yeah. They need to fix that. They need, you taking that minute is going to pay for it for other students so they don't get jerked around. Absolutely. Okay, let's see. I liked one of, one of them. That so I if you've got one, you can pick it. Megan, for Wright State Secondaries, I say N.A. for every single question. How will this be viewed? I'm concerned that I don't provide them any information. Uh, well, Megan, it, it depends on what the questions are and if they tell you to put N.A. if it doesn't apply to you. If you're answering the question as they tell you to, then it is what it is. But every single question, that seems weird. So, yeah, Megan, that, give give an example of a question you're saying NA to. Maybe we yeah. can. I, that, yeah. that's, that does sound really odd to me. Yeah. Why do you want to come to this you, school, NA? Yeah. <laughs> Scott, did you say you had one you wanted to pick? You can go well, I can't, I, can't, I can't find it now. Yeah, it happens. There's a lot in there. <laughs> yeah. I, wish, I wish there was a search feature to search for uh, yeah, me the comments. Too. Oh, here it is. Right. Here okay. it is. Killian, thanks for all the great advice starting at my top choice school in four weeks and couldn't have done it without you all. It's not even a question. I know. I wanted to celebrate with (laughs) with, uh, Killian. Killian. That's amazing. Good job. That is amazing. Okay. Let's do this one. Killian's killing it. BP (laughs) does acceptance to a uh, not dream school require decision within two weeks. Can't one wait until one finds out if accepted into a dream school. Um, So hopefully BP, you've taken our advice and only applied to schools that you want to go to. So sure. We all have dreams and aspirations and top choices, but ideally you only apply to schools that you will go to. So um, Scott, uh, I know every medical school will have kind of different, processes and procedures. I know DO schools are a little bit stricter on this in terms of like, hey, we're offering you an acceptance. You have to tell us within X number of weeks uh, with a deposit if you want to come here. Um, I I think AMCAS uh, limits that a little bit, uh, the AAMC in terms of what they tell medical schools can do. Um, what, What should BP do here? Just just follow what that specific school's requirements are? Yeah, and I think what confuses applicants sometimes is that there are two levels here. There is the traffic rule level, which is at the sort of global level uh, of all, all AMCAS schools or all ACOMA schools. And then there's the individual school and their requirements and, the, and, and at their level. So if you get a, an email that says what Congratulations, uh, we were making you an offer to X medical school, and we need to know within two weeks if you accept this offer or not. Mm-hmm. You accept that offer now, you know, early on in the process, especially, it is, it is uh, totally acceptable and it is uh, g- genuinely 
understood that this is the case, uh, that you are going to hold more than one offer for, for a, a, you know, a while. That, that if you get multiple offers, that you may hold on to those for a while to try to determine which school, you, which of the schools that you've been offered you, you want to go to. Uh, so, so just because a school says, we want you, we have an offer for you, you have to accept within a certain period of time, go ahead and accept it. And now the, the, the downside for the DO school especially is that they often require a deposit and sometimes those deposits are substantial several thousand dollars in in some cases and uh, and you have to be you know you have to recognize that uh, if you if you pay that deposit uh, that uh, you may if you decide to go somewhere else you're going to lose it Uh, so you have to be aware of that and and there are dates uh that you have to resolve all this down to one school, uh, but but initially in the process there there is an expectation and an understanding that there that you may be holding more than, more than one school. Yep. All right, coming to the end here. We've got time for at least one more. So Megan did follow up. Megan's our friend who said she had NA for all the answers. Yeah. Here's her follow up. Significant economic hardship, COVID, et cetera. They don't have uh, YS. So I would say, especially on the COVID question, significant economic hardship. You know, I, 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 I would probably put something. Even if you haven't had an economic hardship, I would say, you know, I've been lucky that I haven't had you know this kind of situation. But I do recognize that many, you know, blah blah blah. I wouldn't go on and on with it, but I, I would probably put something rather than just NA. Now on COVID, the, the same kind of thing. Maybe you didn't get COVID. Nobody in your family, you know, was uh, really pressed by COVID or died, you know, from it, or, you know, there was nothing that really, uh, but even at the limited basis, I would say, you know, I haven't had COVID, but there have been family members that have had, you know, COVID and, 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 uh, but even within the, the, you know, I can talk about from my own perspective uh, the fact that COVID did impact me in that I'm an extrovert and I'm stuck at home 24 hours a day for seven days a week, every, every, every week of the month, every month of the you know year. And, and this is a hardship, and, you know, and I don't mean to make, I, I, I don't mean to make light of really difficult hardships and where people died and stuff like that. But what they're trying to get is, is are you able to see that things affect us in various kinds of ways mm-hmm. and how did COVID affect you in a, in a, in, in a way. And if it didn't, then you say, you know, I really didn't have any, any hardships coming from COVID and I'm thankful. And I recognize that, that a lot of people did. And, and I was lucky not to have experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about a couple other things. So one is, you know, I did just go look at our secondaryapps.com, Wright State University prompt list, and there are a lot of prompts, and they're all pretty short. And the prompt explicitly says, do you have this? If not, please enter NA. So they are definitely setting up for some some of these are going to be fine. Um, But another way to think about this, Megan, is you're trying to help them get to know you. The more they connect with you as a human being, the more likely they're going to want to invite you to an interview. So any opportunity that you can give them to get to know you better and connect with you is good. One of the questions is, do you have any connections to this school of medicine, this particular university or this state? Um, I mean, you're picking people typically don't think I want to live in northeastern Dayton for no reason. Right. I'm guessing you've got some reason that you're applying to Wright State. It's a great med school, but it's not super well known outside of Ohio. Like you have any Ohio connection at all? I think you could maybe they're not using that prompt this year if you're already getting this year's prompts. No, you can't. It's too early. So you're looking at last year's prompts. So I would expect that you at least have an Ohio answer. I could be wrong. I'm just, you know, I feel like Wright State's not super famous outside of this area. (laughs) Um, So. What can you do to make them get to know you better? That's my yeah. question. Yeah. Yep. Getting to know you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's 156. We have time for one more. If there's yeah, a good one, sure not. let's do it. 
Caleb asks, I'm applying to be a PTA and medical scribe jobs or applying to PTA and medical scribe jobs while I finish my history of or bachelor's and prepare to retake science classes. How do I better ace interviews to reassure employers? Reassure them what? I'm not sure what the question is. Yeah. Um, I thought it was oddly. Yeah. So I I don't know if Caleb is concerned. A a lot of times what pre-med students are concerned about is they're not going to hire me because they know I want to go to medical school. So I'm not going to be around a lot uh, or for a long time. And I think it's, it's par for the course for these kind of entry level jobs. uh, They know that they are a stepping stone and and they know that you're going to be there for a little bit. Some, Scribe jobs, some some jobs in general will ask for a one or two year uh, commitment. I don't know how legal that is, especially in the state that you uh, reside. So, so if they're requiring any sort of time commitment, just double check with uh, with the lawyer to see if that's legal and, and what the ramifications are if you decide to leave before then. So, yeah. that's it. Yep. Yeah, I had like a little bit of a yellow flag reading this question. And, you know, I was trying to be careful because you guys are typing in a hurry. You're trying to squeeze them in. But to better ace interviews to reassure employers sounds a little bit like what will look good on my resume, what will look good on my activity list. Um, People who do interviews for jobs interview hundreds, if not thousands of people a year. There's almost no lie you can tell them that they won't have heard before and see through. And I'm not saying you're trying to lie, Caleb. I'm saying if you're thinking about, I got to get in there and press them, that's not going to go as well as someone who's just going in as a professional looking for a job. So if if you're thinking about reassuring employers, I would, one, turn that around and see what you need to do to reassure yourself. Because that question reads to me as like a little bit insecure. Um, And then I would also say... Go research the heck out of the job and the company yeah. because that, that's going to decide whether or not it's a fit. And that can go in both ways. You may research the heck out of the company and go, you know what, even if they offered it to me, I don't really want it. Or yeah. you might think, I love it. And now you have something to talk about in the interview. <laughs> exactly. I have, I have one more great question here from James Jackson. Uh, I need to make a decision very soon as I will be graduating. Should I apply to a post-bac or medical school with a cumulative GPA of 3.4, science GPA of 3.27, with a strong upward trend? Thank you for giving us that information. Yes. Uh, and a 5.20 MCAT. Oh, so... Here's here's where there's still a little bit of gray area, <laughs> Dr. Gray. Um, <laughs> what does what does strong upward trend mean to you, James? Is that uh, five credits at a four Is that thirty credits at a four point um, And so I, I think potentially apply to medical school. Potentially need a post back. It just depends, Scott. What what where would be your line here if you could give James a little extra piece of criteria to go evaluate his stats? Yeah, the concern that I have is the disconnect between the 520 MCAT and the 327 science GPA. So what this says is you're better at your non-science classes because you have a higher non-science GPA than you were your science classes. And and there's a disconnect there. And 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 so what what often I think this says to an admissions committee is you're underperformer. Um but, and, but with the strong upward trend, it could well, be True. I had now, I, I was a, a non-decider early on, and I was slacking off and enjoying college life a little bit too and much. I, too, I totally agree with that. And what I would say, however, is he's a non-science major. He's a history major. Is this? Oh, this is a no. This person. is in the history. Yeah. yeah. Oh, never mind. I, I, I combined two in, into one. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say it does depend a lot on the. Uh, on the uh, upper trend, what, what that means to you. Does upward trend mean you went from a three, four to a three, six, uh, or does it mean a three, two, seven science GPA to a three, four, seven science GPA, you know, or yeah. is it, is it more substantial than that? So I think there's a lot of questions there uh, that need to be answered before, before uh, advice can be given. Yeah. Um, and so James, 
potential perfect opportunity uh go get a mapped app account uh enter all of your grades uh, all of your mcat score your activities uh and with a mapped app pro account at ten dollars a month you can ask us uh because we'll we'll be able with to see all of your stuff yeah. yep yep Get a lot more nuanced answer there. Yep. We are at time, my friends. Thank you for coming and hanging out. We are the mapped team here for Ask the Dean. Um, and we thank you for coming yeah, and hanging out absolutely. with us. Absolutely. Every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, I typically do an in, uh, Instagram Live myself. Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, go use that 30 days free referral code at uh, mapped.com to get 30 days of mapped app pro for free and as always mapped app is free forever without the pro level yep so with that we'll see you next time yep bye bye everyone bye getting to know this is dr gray again closing out i hope you learned something from our session today if you haven't yet checked out mapped i invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.